Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the JT and Looney podcast. There are two massive stories in sports. Massive. One involves the media and a Baltimore Orioles broadcaster who was shamed, shamed by his ownership group. And the other one is the what's happening to the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is over. That's incredible. So let's start off with the broadcaster by the name of Kevin Brown, young broadcasters on a lot of ESPN platforms. I interviewed our friend Jerry Coleman on this. Roxy Bernstein came on my shows this week. So Kevin Brown is in Tampa and it's the Rays versus the Orioles. And he opens up the broadcast on tape. So there's producers in the truck. There's graphics. He opens up the broadcast saying, well, you know, the series is tied. And he goes back to the fact that the Orioles haven't been able to win a series in Tampa Bay in 15 series. Yeah, yeah he's reading off a teleprompter, and the graphics are up to back up what he's talking about. So all he's doing is telling you a couple of things. Number one, the Orioles are in first place. In first place as they're playing Tampa. They're looking to win the series, and he decides to go back and start off by saying, you know, in the past, we couldn't win here. Yeah, we, we suck against Tampa in the past, in yep. And here's where I think the hook to this story is, because it's a big story, because it's rare in broadcasting when everyone comes together. No yep. one's coming together right. for Skip Bayless, the actor. No one's coming right. together for other people who claim to be broadcasters. The reason why they're coming together for Kevin Brown is he did nothing wrong. What he did is he set it's the weird. tone by telling everybody that this could be good for us. We might beat this team and change the tide of what's happening. What I think happened is John Angelos, his dad, Peter Angelos, who's incapacitated at the time, awful owners, terrible owners for a long period of time there. And I think the younger son, the owner said, you know, I'm watching this and I'm hearing about it. Why the hell are you talking about the fact that we can't win and beat this team? Because we're not talking about the Yankees and the Dodgers, Tom. We're talking about the Rays, the gritty, gutty Rays, who have only been good for this long. If you can see my fingers this long, they've mostly always sucked. And I think the owner, who's wrong, said, really? We're in first place, and you're reminding everybody we haven't been able to beat this team. They suspend Kevin Brown. And then the backlash of all the broadcasters, the Oriole fans, coming to support this young man who's a really good broadcaster. Really good broadcaster. And I, you know, I said it was in the teleprompter. I don't know if it's a teleprompter, but he was reacting to graphics. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he's so smooth, it seems like he might be reading off a teleprompter, but he's also young and talented. And... You know, when this is a problem now, and we used to get it on the air. Political people get it. News people get it. Now that I'm uh, working as a newscaster in Los Angeles, when uh, Asa Hutchinson's daughter, the governor of Arkansas's daughter, worked in the White House. So she had to testify under oath about about Trump losing his temper one day. And everyone and, and I had I, I just delivered the news about what she said before Congress. I'm just delivering the news. And I got people tweeting at me upset that I was delivering the news. See, people mix up what they don't want to hear and call. say you're a hater. Why are you hating on Kobe? People would accuse me of that, the number one apologist in America, when I would joke and say, you know, Kobe's running the kidney stone offense. He refuses to pass. Yeah, Kobe, that, that, that I went fun. Accurate. Yeah, very accurate. And if you report the truth sometimes, that's sarcasm, but still at the, at the expense of a guy I like and my own team, I thought people would like it. We hate not Kobe whore. If you tell the truth, sometimes people call it hate. You're hating. He's hating on the Orioles. No, he's just he's just he's reading the graphics. 
And it's something that uh, it's, it's, it's turned in our, our society where people mix up telling the truth and reporting the facts with having a bias. This is such a perfect podcast topic because we've had to tiptoe our way a lot of times through having owners listening to our shows and general managers, commissioners. And I, I, and I need to mention, too, that Bet Online is our sponsor. I didn't mention that at the top like I usually do, JT, but Bet Online is the number one source for all betting needs, latest odds, lines, and matchups for the National Football League, baby. Also, baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to place your bets. Live betting as well. You got your favorite casino games and your card games. You can head to the website or use your phone. And if you haven't signed up yet, you can get in on the action and get your 50% welcome bonus for being friends with JT and Looney. Just type in the promo code Believe, B L E A V, B L E A V, and get your 50% welcome bonus at Bet Online, where the game starts couple of fronts on this i've never been a guy who wants publicity to be bad everybody in sports we always agreed on that bad public there's no such thing as bad publicity so you can have a gaffe a bad moment all of this and something could happen and then all of a sudden you get more twitter followers more people like you you make more money it's happened before i don't believe in that i care more about my wife and my kids and getting clicks we never wanted it <laughs> i never wanted that bad publicity people yeah. have been able to do this Secondly, I'm an expert on this topic, a PhD, because my entire career I've done a national show, very fortunate, and my entire career I've done a local show. So I'm the example of of this, and I know what's going on. So working for the Raiders, involved with their broadcast, which we'll get to, if I opened up a broadcast against the Niners, I'm going to be on the play-by-play with Lincoln Kennedy and Eric Allen. And I opened up the broadcast and said, welcome to Allegiant Stadium, the spot where the Raiders blew a a 20-point lead last year against the Arizona Cardinals in their home opener and lost four other games, five total of double-digit leads. I deserve to be fired. I deserve to be fired on the spot. Now, in the broadcast, if I mention to Lincoln Kennedy, you know, Lincoln, I think the Raiders are going to be better this year because they lost five games where they had leads but I think they cleaned it up in the draft and free agency and got some more explosive players. Okay, I can thread that in there because I'm telling the truth. But, Tom, you can't go out of your way on a local broadcast to bring up the past and the negative past on the hometown team. I don't think that Kevin Brown did this for the Orioles, but you can understand why owners and presidents of organizations don't want to hear any of that. Oh, yeah, and, you know, they get people just start to do they, – they get the power – and they uh and they they can they they then they pout. We had it happen with Bud Seelig, who didn't like a joke I told and tried to call yeah, our boss and have us. Got in trouble. Yeah. Let me stop and not interrupt you. Maybe the scaredest I've ever been in a studio was when we were called up to the fourth floor, or was it the fifth floor? Yeah, the uh, uh, fourth or fifth back in the day. And uh, turns out the commissioner of baseball was a fan or wasn't anymore. He was a- <laughs> on show. Explain. Yeah, and uh, and I just think I think he just got away with getting Scott Van Pelt suspended for a few days, so he was on a roll. He was on so a he roll. Thought he, so he would thought he'd come after us. And I made a joke about you said that he would probably go down in history, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on your viewpoint, as the commissioner of baseball through the steroid era. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, and I said, yeah, no matter how good a job he does, you know, that's what he's going to be thought of. I said, I said um, same thing. I said with uh, I, I made a World War Two reference to Mussolini. You know, and Mussolini was Mussolini, which yeah. I would never have made a reference. I never said the H word. Still to this day, I'm the only one in the history of broadcasting who's never said the H word. Right, right. The other individual. And I, I've never said Mussolini on the air, but you decided to do that. Well, yeah, I said people, Mussolini wasn't known for the trains running on time. Oh. And, wow. uh, and so, and, and you're he. You're a wordsmith. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah that, you know, that's like, an, by the way, very <laughs> of an average listener, you'd have to pay attention in history class. Remember what you learned in history class. You know, it's just, it was just smart for the smart is basically what it was. And Seelig told our boss that I compared him to Mussolini, which I did not. Fortunately, there was a tape. And our boss stuck up for us. And he hadn't been our boss for very long. I don't even think he was a fan, but he didn't want Bud Seeley. He, he enjoyed the idea of telling Bud Seeley, no, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not suspending them. But yeah, that, you know, that can happen. You never know who's listening. And these powerful guys sometimes think they can make a phone call and pout and get mad and, and, and think of actually reporting the facts as hate when it's just yeah. a, a young guy who's, uh, who, who loves what he's doing reporting the facts and how things have turned around because boy we could never beat this team in the past yeah well let's talk about how to move the topic forward which we'd like to do on this show so what do we learn from this for the young broadcasters that love the jt and looney podcast here's what we learned about this is that you cannot you can't when you're on a local team broadcast michael k the voice of the yankees has a local show which is louder more intense angry phone calls and he treats that show with certain respect that he is as the voice of the Yankees. Then when he sits in the booth at Yankee Stadium, he's a different broadcaster. He's great on both right. platforms. But you got to know, every time Stanton strikes out, you can't go, let's get rid of this bomb. There we go again. Yeah. Well, Kevin Brown did nothing wrong. But the fact is, my takeaway is he became famous because of this. He's now famous. I didn't know his name. And I played his home run calls uh in the past. Number two is that he has a big ballsy decision to make now. I would go back to the Orioles and continue to do my job. They might go to the World Series this year. Or he could have said, no, no, you embarrassed me. I'm a man of moral high ground and integrity. I'm out. And 29 other teams would have hired him <laughs> day, just right. out of principle. And so that, that's what's interesting about that. There are penalties to be paid. If you make a mistake as a broadcaster behind an open microphone. Even yeah. And, you know, that's the high wire that we were lucky that we did. Uh, you know, we, we both have a, a can have a dark sense of humor and a fun anarchic sense of humor on and off the air. And uh, and that can happen. And and it didn't with us. Fortunately, we never accidentally said something uh, that uh, that went out over there. We've said a couple of things that uh, have had to be dumped because we got excited. And forgot we weren't at the bar over the years, but that also didn't happen very often too, because I have the switch in my head, and so did you, where I didn't curse in my mother's house. So uh, I always had that switch. You slipped an Easter egg into the show, into the JT and Looney podcast, the award-winning JT and Looney podcast. You slipped an Easter egg in there, and I was wondering how close people were listening to that uh, that Easter egg that you slipped in that you are now calling. You're the pre-season play-by-play -play voice of the Raiders? Yes, the Raiders came to me and asked me to do that, and because Jason Horowitz, who took over for Brent Musburger, 
Uh, Jason Horowitz is moving to TV for the preseason. Every NFL team has their own television broadcast in the preseason where everybody wears, you know, polo shirts and, you know, the right. guy on the sideline. So they're moving him to TV with Matt Millen, one of the greatest writers of all time, four-time Super Bowl champion, Rich Gannon, former MVP, and I'm sliding in to take over his spot, but not in a traditional play-by-play role. And for those who don't care, it's not a big deal. It's going to be more of like a Manning cast on the radio where I'm going to be with two great former Pro Bowlers, Eric Allen and Lincoln Kennedy. We're going to call the play, but we're going to be talking about the Raiders. We're going to be talking about the position battles. We're going to get into it more so than the traditional man in motion, trips right, jumbo package. The listeners want to hear the play, but they want to know about the Raiders. So we're going to talk about that, have a lot of fun. When well, you're going to actually, the first game's going to be interesting because you're going to be wanting to concentrate on the play-by-play and get it right and decide how you're going to weave in this Manning cast type of of uh, of broadcast. The first one's going to be a little interesting and maybe even nerve-wracking for you, which is exciting because when's the last time you were nervous on the air? So that's kind of yeah, exciting. Yeah, I don't get nervous on the air. This is interesting. Yeah. Part of this broadcast, when they get in the red zone, we're going to have the access to go to the TV call. Then when we come back, and then they're going to have wow. a couple okay. of secret, a couple of secret guest Hall of Famers on the sideline, possibly. So we'll go down to them. So you know, if one of these great Hall of Famers in the middle talking about something, and there's a four-yard incomplete pass, you know, I'll get to it eventually. But it's not one of these JT intense. Let's go, go. We're going to have fun talking about that because we have a Latino stream. How about the Raiders? You want to talk about a team that, that has everything? We have a television stream. We have a radio stream. We have a Spanish stream. We have special things happening on the sideline, guests in both studios, TV and radio. So I'm excited about that. It'll How be- much prep have you had to do? Because, you know, you're a, lot, a lot of guys won't even be playing in the regular seat. Are you, like, memorizing people's names and numbers? Do you have a spotter in your ear letting you know who's catching the ball? No, no I'll have a spotter at the game with me. So a guy okay. next to me at the game. And yeah, because oh, for people who don't know, anybody's calling play by play. John Madden's spotter was Coach Robinson over the yeah. years. Well, for, for years, great, there's been some legendary spotters over the oh, years. Oh yeah. Again, a good friend who, of ours. I'll leave off the podcast. Gave me a good bit of advice. He said, "Look, these are you got to remember about the reason why my ego is really in check. It's I'm very proud of this because it's the Raiders. It's the right. legendary Oakland, L.A., Las Vegas Raiders. But it's the third and fourth uh, tier guys." You know, there's going to be no Jimmy Garoppolo, no Devontae Adams, no Christian McCaffrey, no right. You know, Kyle Purdy's not playing, Debo Samuel. So these are the third and Raider fans are going to be saying, who's that? But you know what's great about something like this? I've always been a fan of this. We talk about radio geekdom. We like the geeky side mm-hmm. of these stories. What, what I'm excited about is I love position battles. I don't bury it on the radio show, but I don't talk about it a lot. No one really cares who's going to be the fifth and sixth corner. But you have to carry six cornerbacks. So the Raiders will have Marcus Peters and maybe a rookie. And then there's other guys who are going to play in the game. And one of them is going to make the team. Two of them are going to get cut. Well, five linebackers or six are going to play in the game. Only three are going to make the team. So I love that because the true essence of preseason, very important point here. Everybody says, well, wipe out the preseason. Are you an idiot? You have to play football games to try oh, out agree. your players, your Absolutely. free agents, yep. your draft picks, your veterans, your free agents that come over from another team. So they have to always play preseason. For those who say, let's have one preseason game. No, no, no. You got to have a minimum of three. 
because you have to cut the team down. It used to be go from 90 to 70 plus or whatever. Now you go from 90 to one cut. One cut now, Tom. New rule. I think you knew this. We're going from 90 to 53 in just oh. one cut. That's going to put a flood of football players either on the team practice squad or they're going to go and get picked up by other teams yep. because of position battle. So enough of that. One more topic. Enough uh, of that. First of all, you for people who say, what's JT the Brick doing the doing play-by-play? You are the voice of the Las Vegas Outlaws in the XFL, true. correct? And I also... ever touchdown. I called the first ever touchdown in the history of the XFL because it was the first game ever played on primetime. Vince McMahon, this is the XFL. Remember, it was Las Vegas, and a guy by the name of, he hate me. Odd smart. He actually, on his jersey, had he He hate me. The most famous XFL player ever. Ever. He scored a touchdown, and I called that. But uh, that was a while ago. So was, and we did play-by-play every night on the radio. People used to yell at us because oh, you would wow. do play-by-play of baseball and Kobe's game-winning shots. And we'd have producers screaming at our ear, don't do play-by-play. And we would do it anyway. Yeah, that's an interesting other topic really for our broadcast geeks is, you know, I've always been a sports talk host. I never wanted to be a play-by-play guy. And right. it's not a regret of mine because if I became a play-by-play guy, which I think I easily could have, and started off in any sport at the bottom, like I did in radio. I started in weekend overnights. Right. And if you start at the bottom of play-by-play and I got an opportunity, I would have had to leave my family my whole life. I would have got on planes and buses. I didn't want to do that. But I really respect play-by-play voices, and there's so many good ones now. And there's many guys now that are saving their careers because they're sports center anchors, and we know what's happening in that world. But they oh, keep gosh. them because they can do tennis. They can do college football. They can do this yep. or that. Are you good on time or are you newsboy here? Do you got to be newsboy at the top of the hour? Oh, why is there so? I, I got a couple of minutes. Is there another story you wanted to tell? Oh, one more story I want to talk about the uh, the devaluation of the Pac 12. Oh, yeah. Well, I've, I've interviewed a bunch of people. So the Pac 12 are down to their final four teams, the teams that nobody won Oregon State and Washington State, not Oregon and Washington because they're moving on. And then Stanford, the greatest academic institution of all time. They win that Sears Award every year for most championships. It's Stanford. It's not Notre Dame. It's not Alabama. It's Stanford, one of the great academic institutions. And Cal, Cal, the liberal elite, Cal, one of the greatest public schools for an education in the world. So I've interviewed a bunch of people on this. Here's the story. Everybody's chasing the money. Everybody's chasing the money. Roxy Bernstein, great play-by-play voice, said something so cool on my show. I'm going to throw this out to you. Just off the top of your head, who are some of the greatest athletes ever to play in the Pac-12? Oh, Anthony Davis should have won two Heisman trophies. Okay. And if they were if, and if they were in the Big Ten back then, he would have had Archie Griffin's two Heisman gotcha. trophies. And so I, I, that's the first one I think of. There are so many great athletes from the Pac-12, Pac-10, Pac-8 over the years that would uh, that would have won Heisman trophies and would have got more props, et cetera, and, uh, and, and their brand would have been uh, much more valuable if they hadn't been on at 10, 11 at night on the East Coast when sports writers are already two sheets to the wind. All right, so without Googling. First one I think of. That was a great one. Without Googling, you know a lot more. Let me yeah, and, the, and Ricky Bell would have won a Heisman trophy. Let me just no, say I'm the talking, late, great Ricky Bell. Players. I'm not talking football players. I'm talking okay. the greatest athletes in the history of the Pac-8. Oh, Pac-10, okay. 
before the okay, Pac-12. You, you want to go down Bill Walton and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar territory as well. Let, let's yep. just stop with them two for a second. Yeah. Lou Alcindor. As you can. Yeah. Lou Alcindor and Bill Walton. Without debate, one and one A. One and one A, not one and two. Mm-hmm. The two greatest college basketball players of all time. So Roxy's telling me this, and I think the number one is Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson okay. plays football yeah. and right. baseball, baseball and something yep. called track and field at UCLA. And then Roxy says, Tiger Woods. True. I, I fell out of my sleep. Stanford. Tiger Woods at Stanford. And right. then Roxy says, uh, John McEnroe. John McEnroe, tennis player at Stanford. Right? And now we didn't even get to. You know, you could have Ryan Leaf when he was great at Washington State. You can go up and down the coast, Oregon, Marcus Mariota. You can go to track stores or whatever. And what blows me away about this whole story is they tried to put together a television deal with DirecTV. People in San Jose couldn't find the Pac-12 channel. People didn't know where the Pac-12 network was. So a guy by the name of Larry Scott tried to put this deal together, fell on his face. Here's my hook. Los Angeles, California is the movie, movie and entertainment capital of the world, of the fucking world. There's Paramount. There's Warner Brothers. Up the street in Silicon Valley, there's Facebook, Apple, and a company named Google. And in Los Angeles, California, where Hollywood is, they couldn't put together a television deal. They couldn't put together a TV deal in Hollywood, California with the number two media market. Home of UCLA and USC. Forget about Wazoo. Forget about Oregon. Forget about everybody else. This is Hollywood where writers are on strike and they couldn't put a television deal together, Tom. It makes no sense. The story, oh. history, as you're making, we go from sport to sport, the amazing guys, the amazing two-sport guys that came out of USC, UCLA, Stanford, and all the other schools as well. And uh, the, 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 when you make a list like that, you're insulting the people you leave off. The list is so long. And you're right, because of the finances, the eighth largest or seventh largest, is it the fourth largest economy in the world? California, if it were a country, which is one of those and uh, and couldn't come up with uh, couldn't come up with the deal. Lubbock, Texas, Lubbock, Texas, Champaign, Illinois. Right. Take the schools, the small outposts, the smaller schools in the Big Ten, the Big 12. And how about the tiny schools in the SEC? Where the hell is Ole Miss, right? I Ole know. Miss, the part of the SEC, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, they had people overlooking them, ESPN, Fox, those deals, putting it together. Nobody, nobody knocked on the door of a television or movie mogul and said, hey, we got this school, USC and UCLA, Oregon with Phil Knight, California, Cal, and can we kind of get together in a conference room and put something together 10 years ago? And now the sport has crumbled. We will not have the PAC 12 next year. The remaining four schools, Stanford should be independent. Like your brother's Notre Dame. Everybody else will get absorbed into the mountain West or another conference. And we'll say goodbye to Jackie Robinson's Jackie Robinson's PAC eight PAC 10 and PAC 12. And this weekend we will say hello to the play by play voice of the Raiders on the radio. 
JT the Brick. I can't wait. Did you hear I'm on the gram? I'm on the Instagram. Wow. Finally, you have about on Instagram all this time. I've always enjoyed Instagram. It's kind of been like my private vault that I've enjoyed so much. Because, you know, I've got so much to hide. So, it's, But then I've expanded it now, and I'm having a ball with it. Yeah, it was a big deal for me because I had to get on the gram. And my son, who's doing a lot of our, doing our podcast, our video, doing great with his new job, and a lot's going on. And my wife said something really important because you know that people slide into my DMs and I slide into their DMs. Yes. Said, There's none of this on the gram now. The gram's You're supposed right. to be a happier place. Yes, it is. The gram's supposed to be for pictures. It's JT the Brick hits because I guess some scoundrel took JT the Brick. How dare they? Wow. I'm JT the Brick. Someone else took it. So I had to do JT the Brick hits. And my son said, Dad, because you're going to give a lot of hits. You're going to do these uh, minute hits and 50-second hits, and people will get used to it. And my wife said there'll be no sliding into DMs. There won't be any angry, loud JT, so it'll be Instagram much lighter and uh, a much different side of me on social media. On my story yesterday, I was addressing people like you. (laughs) It had Muhammad Ali against Cleveland Williams in 1966 in the Houston Astrodome. Maybe Ali at his best. Cleveland Williams. Ali had his hands down by his side, and Cleveland Williams took one shot after another at Ali. And Ali just pulled his head back and pushed they and ducked and dodged. And I and I was telling people, don't read your comments. If people are saying nasty things and it gets under your skin, don't read the comments. And it was Ali just dodging every punch. Yeah, if you don't read the comments, you dodge every punch. You know, I've been pushing you not to read comments for years, but you've been ignoring me. Well, you know, I'm a thin-skinned radio guy. <laughs> Most of the, as you know me as a quiet man named John. Right, yes, it is true. Is that, you know, sometimes when it comes to social media, but I, we've talked about this. We've done podcast after podcast yes. on how things are simmering down. Elon took away the blue bird. He took away my blue, my blue check mark. Now yes. I'm, on I'm not on Twitter. I'm on the X. And, you know, my son was explaining to me that I should buy back the blue, Because there's a lot of things now. There are people just talking about LeBron who have much less of a platform than us and getting money now. I told him this to pump the brakes on that because we never cared about the blue check mark. We didn't care. No, it was. I say I don't care about the blue check mark and I don't worry. I have to say this hypocritically. I never cared that much about the blue check mark and about a lot of uh, nonsense like this. I'm a big picture guy and a perspective guy. But. I never changed Looney on Fox because I didn't want to lose my blue check mark. But oh, now I get to change my name. Yeah, you better you change say? that name. You better change that name. Uh, yeah, there is a new name coming. Oh, and in God. September, I will have a new name. You're yelling yes. at me for not being on the gram. Look at you finally going to change that. <laughs> and you know, the other big thing, let's review. <laughs> let's review me in the third person here on my history on, on social media. Uh, For one, I love Facebook. I was in the stock on day one. I'm a big fan of Facebook. Wink, wink, all these years. Never hid that. Uh, Secondly, I've used Twitter mostly for the hashtag Cranky Yankee. You've been amazing on Twitter. You've been amazing on Twitter. I'll just go there. The the joy that I get from Twitter is really the heartache I get from the Yankees when I already set the tweet up. When I know that Giancarlo Stanton is going to strike out for the fourth time. And he steps <laughs> into the batter's box, and I tweet, and I have the tweet ready. He's going to strike out looking again, and I'm I'm the first person in the world. There's not a kid in India, there's not a kid somewhere in uh, South Africa 
a kid somewhere in Tokyo that has that tweet on Stanton striking out ahead of me. When you think about <laughs> it, that's all around the world that I'm number one on that. Right. And the other thing is I, I'm doing so much radio and I'm doing a lot with you that I guess I tweet out my lineup every day, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, Monday. Right. You're really good at it. Radio. Here's what I got coming up. Here's what we got. And then, but overall, I was just at my nephew's wedding and it's a great way to uh, segue. I just went to my nephew's wedding in Middletown, New York. He's from New Paltz. My nephew, CJ, married Natalie, beautiful couple. And we took a lot of video, a lot of video at the golf tournament, the rehearsal dinner the wedding lightly tweeted out because he's into social media and had a nice time. So that's what social media should be used for. Holy communion photos and bar mitzvahs, ice cream sundays. Couldn't agree and more. Dog. Yep. And your dog, my dog brings me the most joy other than my wife early in the morning every day. And from time to time, I'll take a video of my dog. You know, on Instagram, I could spend all day looking at funny dog videos and cute dog videos. There's cute cat videos. There's a lot of Great animal stuff. Very happy place, Instagram. So I'm glad you're coming over there. And on Twitter, it can get angry. But the way you use it is amazing. It's also, it's not always happy JT on Twitter, but it's JT, the hardcore sports guy. And you you tweet often, which really, uh, you know, raised your profile. I think you pretty much do it well, although I always told you not to read comments, but I, uh, I lost that on vacation. You've always told me to. Put oh, that vacation. always drove me crazy when you, you, you tweet about the Yankees and you're in London. Yeah. You, yeah, you, you yeah. All, oh, my God. It drives me crazy. You believe this because some some of our viewers and listeners are embedded in tech and AI is mm-hmm. coming up. The boogeyman of AI The right. and AI is going to put all of Hollywood out of work uh, when it comes to this. I think there's a little bit of low a lull in what's happening in social media. I'm, I'm new to Instagram, but I've seen it a bunch. Facebook, I like it for a lot of reasons. Twitter is in a really big change with Elon here overall. But the thing that makes me nervous about going on Instagram is I don't want to be on my phone longer than my I should. And my sons from time oh, to time grab oh. my phone around dinner and they'll say, let's look at how long dad's on the phone on social media this week this is children saying that about parent yeah Yeah. and i'm like okay but i when i'm on the radio if i'm on the radio radio three to five hours a day my twitter's open i'm tweeting about the show so if it says seven hours a day you know some of it's going to be there but you know i follow you and i follow you on your platforms and you seem to not overdo it you do it just the right amount of time i i don't overdo it and facebook i always found a little girly Mm -hmm. Uh, and birthdays, I wake up every day and I know every friend and every acquaintance. And I think you do Facebook totally right. I I think you do Facebook, right. But for me, if you remember, if you go back to the hot tub time machine to the nineties and gyms and it's women took over gyms in the nineties and men couldn't play their ACDC and their hardcore rock roll by the lift of weights. But the women had an aerobics room where they could turn up the music as loud as they wanted. And there was always 19 women and one gay guy doing aerobics, right? <laughs> and whenever I log on to Facebook, I feel like that gay guy in the aerobics room. It's just, it's for me, I'm seeing pictures of food and uh, baby showers, all wonderful things. But I do feel like a guy at a baby shower, you know, which they've, they've pulled us into the baby shower thing now, too. Guys are going to baby showers reluctantly. But I do feel like uh, of all the, the platforms, it's the one I don't enjoy as much as the others. But still, it's fun to see. And I, I, basically, I mainly got on to watch my niece play the piano and watch my niece grow up. 
and I followed my sister-in-law so I could watch my niece grow up. And over the years, I wish I went back to just following that one person because <laughs> it you got know, too me, complicated. Yeah, for the big thing. And two of our biggest uh, fans and viewers are my mom and dad. Right. Uh, John and Maureen uh, follow us. And the way I'm able to follow them because they love to go to happy hour every day, which you should when you're 85. Right. Every oh, they're amazing. Day, every day of your life, you should go to happy hour. You should have a glass of wine. You should have an unbelievable meal. They right go to glass. That is unbelievable. In their 80s, they're going to happy hour every day. And I just remember when your dad got golf clubs, yep. the new golf clubs, like five years ago. You know, I, and I always think if anybody over 70, and they're over 80 now, anybody mm-hmm. over 70 gets a, or over 80 gets a puppy or golf clubs, they're not planning on going anywhere. It's always a really good yeah. sign. And my parents, <laughs> what they do is they post their pictures at happy hour. So what I love about it is that's I'm funny. Las Vegas, and I get an alert, and I see my mom. I don't get a chance to see my mom much. Wish I see my mom every day. I get a chance to see her on a walk, or at a park, or at happy hour, or oh. doing something. So that's how this is supposed. It's, it's, to that's the one of the, the the greatest thing about. So and there's so much, uh, and we've talked about this about social media, where you can stay in touch with people that you'd like to stay in touch with, and sometimes people that you would not have stayed in touch with otherwise, and you get to watch them grow. The the my friend Edgar at Whole Foods. We worked across the street from Whole Foods for years. And he was like a 22-year-old dad, and his son was two. Now he's 32. His son's 12 or 13. I got to stay friends with the guy at Whole Foods. And he's got this great family. And I don't know. It's like a, it's also like a reality show. I know everything about his family. And he knows everything about mine. And it really uh, keeps you in touch with the world in very positive ways if you want to use it that way. Yeah, and you just don't want to find out that the Gilgo Beach serial killers from your hometown which oh is my hometown so now we have the gilgo beach alleged serial killer we have joey buttafuoco we have jerry seinfeld the baldwin brothers and everyone else you just don't mm-hmm. want to be on a social media one day and you go, don't. oh my god the creep who lives two blocks from you or a mile from where i grew up is on the evening news every night with David Muir as they try to track him down and go after his pizza crust. And we find out he's a prominent architect in Manhattan, but he's from Massapequa, where I'm from. So you don't want to have him in your friends no. and your friends when you're on social media. And a matter of fact, there's a documentary out there, and I don't know the name, but it's got to be good. And it's and sad. And it's about, excuse me, it's about people. Mm-hmm. And family members who are and, and people from hometowns of, you know, of people who do dastardly things and the rough life ahead many times for, you know, the people who know someone like that and knew the good person or the classmate or whatever, who turned into a, a mass murderer or an awful person or Jeffrey Dahmer, what it does to their, you know, I, I've seen the, the documentaries about his wonderful dad. And uh, and the same thing with the really nice family of the Unabomber. They were a nice family. And uh, the, the, the off, you know, the rest of their life, they wake up with a black cloud and a heavy heart. And that's got to suck. On that cherry note, <laughs> thank you for listening to all 34 minutes exactly of the JT and Looney podcast powered by our friends at Bet Online. And shout out to Jerry Coleman, Baltimore broadcasting legend. He also does a podcast with Adam Jones, uh, the Adam Jones from the Baltimore Orioles, not Adam Pac-Man Jones. The cool Adam Jones, not the douchebag. Hi, Jerry.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.